Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I want to talk to you about the case for baptism. Now, this is going to be a little different than our usual thing. This is a uh, basically a presentation I'm preparing uh, that I will be giving at my local congregation probably at some point. It may be a few months away. I don't know, just whenever the opportunity presents itself. But um, so I want to talk to you about the act of baptism. And I want to look at this in relationship to, you know, we have Christians. If, if you look in Acts, say, and you look at Apollos, he was someone who was following the Lord, who was trying to follow Jesus. And he was actually speaking about Jesus and teaching what he knew. But then they took him because they found that he didn't know everything, which most of us don't know everything. They took him aside and they talked to him and taught him the rest of the story, so to speak, kind of like the Paul Harvey thing, the rest of the story. But they, they taught him the rest of what he didn't know. And that's how I look at baptism and our fellow Christians who either don't believe in baptism or don't understand baptism and don't think it's important or don't think it's necessary. Now, we're going to look at this from the viewpoint of to help teach them that and help show them that, not from the standpoint of condemning them or beating them over the head or anything like that, because it's not necessary to do that. And that's not a good thing. That's not going to, it's not really going to encourage them to, to listen and understand. So this is an explanation and, and making a reasoned, um, argument for baptism and for why it is important and why we we should follow this uh, and why well we're going to get into all those details so i won't i won't speak too much about it now so for most of us we may believe in baptism or maybe not it's okay i'm just saying but but even if we do believe in baptism we may encounter people who are unsure who are not sure if it's really necessary or if it's needful or they may um, just absolutely not believe it's needful at all. Or we may even hear someone teaching and speaking, and, and you know, uh, they could be very charismatic, they could be very uh, knowledgeable in other areas, and, and their teaching may make us doubt or wonder. So again, this is just a case of looking at baptism and what the Lord says and what the Word says, okay? Now, I will tell you, when I was young, I had some times when I also kind of questioned whether baptism was needful, and uh, I was baptized. I was, uh, I, I, I repented and was baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. I think either way, as long as you're saying that's the Spirit of God, I think that's okay. But I still had times later where I heard people speak, and I kind of had questions, and I wondered if that was uh, really necessary or not, you know. So I want us to start at the beginning, though. Okay, I want us to establish two things up front. First, we have to agree that we believe in the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God, and we believe that. Second, we have to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Well, I guess I should back up. First, we have to believe in God, right? We do have to believe in God, and then we have to believe in the Bible, and that it is the Word of God, and then we have to believe 
that Jesus is the Son of God. He is our Savior. He is the way. And he is our example. And he is the one we follow. So now, if you don't agree with those things, if you have doubts or questions about that, this is not really about that. That's another conversation. And we can definitely have that conversation. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we believe in God. We believe in the Bible. We believe in Jesus. I'm assuming and expecting that we are Christians believing in Jesus and that we are following the Lord. So, this is for Christians who are following the Lord, but maybe have questions or doubts or don't understand baptism. And hopefully this will be a little clarifying and will help make sense of all that. So, we did talk about this in our Bible study class one time recently. So. It kind of came up, and I'm not sure if we handled everything, because that's very ad hoc, if we handled everything in the best way. But at the end, we all believe in baptism. So this is more for someone who maybe doesn't believe or isn't sure. Now, I tend to believe that the reason people are fooled or deceived regarding baptism, it's just a uh, ploy of Satan just to get people to not, uh, to not, be baptized to basically put them at risk, you know. Um, and part of it is we have a rebellious spirit and we don't want people telling us what to do. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. And so sometimes we don't want to submit and be humble to God, okay? Now that's just up front and I don't mean to offend anyone, but that's just the case. That's just the way we are. It's humans. We know that. Uh, it's just the way we are. It's in our nature. So first, we're Christians, right? But what are Christians? Now, Christians are defined by the world in this way. Christian, a person who has received Christian baptism or is a believer in Christianity. So that's, that's okay. That's, it's kind of ill-defined in a way. Uh, to me, I think there's a better, simpler definition. And I think it would be more accurately stated this way, a follower of Christ. Someone who's following the Lord and Christ is Jesus, right? So, we're getting, you know, we want to get back to basics here. We want to make sure we understand that uh, the definition of a Christian as it was originally intended is a follower of Jesus, right? And that's why we're called Christians. We're not called anything else. Um, because we follow his example and his teachings, right? So I want us to look at this, the act of baptism, from a very simple and logical perspective. And my main ideas are these. Um, Jesus is our leader and our example. He is our teacher. He is our lawgiver. And he is our judge. See, Jesus isn't just a leader in word only. Jesus leads also by his actions. Now, we're going to read Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. But before we do, realize that John the Baptist is already baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. He's already doing that. God, this was in Jesus' time. God was moving through John, and this practice was already established. If you think of Jewish traditions of ritual purity and cleanliness, the idea of baptism is not really a big stretch. 
the idea of bodily cleanliness, washing off by immersion as representation of removing sin, that, that kind of falls in line with things that they were doing already. So Jews were coming to John to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. And that was happening in the river Jordan. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now first, just as a slight aside, but an important part of this, see the phrase that Jesus came up, up from what? Well, he came up from the water. So as others have said before me, for Jesus to come up or arise or ascend out of, if you look at the, so if you look at the interlinear Bible and look at what these words mean, it, was, it meant that he arose or ascended out of the water. So for that to happen, he had to go down or under the water first, right? So this is to make it clear that immersion is the baptism we're speaking of, okay? And there are a couple other points I want to I wanna make in this same vein. Um, and this is not to be mean or cruel to anyone. It's just to understand what is really needed, okay? Jesus was not baptized as a baby. He willingly, knowingly went to be baptized. What is in our heart when we go to be baptized is important. Okay, now. That's all I'm going to say about those points, but just think on those things. Jesus is our example, okay? He is the one we follow. So, back to John. John knew who Jesus was. He wanted to be baptized by Jesus. That in itself is a clue to the importance of baptism. Here John is, a prophet, preaching repentance and baptizing, yet he says he needs Jesus to baptize him. Not wants, but needs. But Jesus explains he must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. For Jesus to be perfect, he needed to be baptized. Now, it's not that he was, I mean, he was already sinless, okay? I'm not saying he had sin. But I'm saying for him to be perfect and to follow God's plan and to be in right standing with God, that's what righteousness is. He still needed to be baptized. So, for him to be righteous and fulfill God's plan, he had to show humility, willingness to obey God, and do what God wanted. And this kept Jesus, or put Jesus, into the right relationship with God. I believe it kept him. I think he was already in that right relationship, of course. So I believe it kept him in that right relationship. This was that point 
when he was supposed to be baptized according to God's plan. Now notice God's response in verses 16 and 17 proved positive that God wanted this because when he came out, the Spirit of God descended like a dove and the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now Jesus is our example. He leads by example and he set the example for us. As Christians, Christians following Jesus the Christ, what more do we need? If we follow Christ, then do we not follow his example? Do we not want that righteousness, that right standing with God? But that should be enough, but there's more. I know it should be enough, but more than example, Jesus also taught us what he practiced. You know, we say we need to practice what we preach. Well, he practiced and then taught us. If we look at John chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, he was speaking to Nicodemus here. Now, Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees and a ruler of the Jews. He was not just some guy off the street. Let's look at John chapter 3, verses 2 through 6. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now Nicodemus admits God is with Jesus, and Nicodemus wants to understand. So he asks, how can we be born again? Jesus gives us the answer, we must be born of water and the Spirit. And he says it is a spiritual rebirth, a spiritual thing. It's not a fleshly thing. So what water and rebirth is Jesus talking about? We need to know for certain if we are to enter the kingdom of God. Because he tells us it's required. He says we have to be born of the water and spirit. Well, I can tell you it's baptism. But I'm not the authority. Jesus is the authority. Now, if we look at Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 16, here Jesus is appearing to the disciples after he's arisen. And, um, you know, this is what we call the Great Commission. And there are several places where we see this, but I think this is a good example here. I think you can find it repeated over in Matthew around chapter 28. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
Now notice what he says here. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. We Salvation is very important. We want to make sure that everyone understands how to have full salvation. Now, notice he says, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Well, now, he doesn't say who is not baptized. Why does he not say that? Because if you don't believe, of course, you won't be baptized. The first thing is you have to believe. You know, it's part of these steps of salvation. You have to hear the word. You have to believe. And then you repent. And then you're baptized. That's part of those steps. And I'm just very roughly just going through things. I'm not trying. Some people are very super exact about everything. Um, and, and just meaning that there's, I think they have a few more steps they add to it. Anyway, the important thing here is to note that he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you don't believe, then of course you will not be baptized. Now, we have some questions when we talk about faith. I always say faith requires action. If you do not act on your faith, do you really believe? That's the question. If I have faith and I believe in Jesus, but I don't act on it, do I really believe? It's, it's a question we have to ask ourselves. We really have to examine ourselves. That's very important. And that doesn't relate just to salvation. That relates to the whole Word of God and putting things into practice in our lives. Like, if I truly believe in the Lord and that I should not do wrong to others, then then I will actually do good and bless others, right? Let's, let's not do the reverse. Let's do the positive. If I believe in the Lord and that I should be a blessing to others, then I will act that out, right? I will act on that faith, and I will be a blessing to others and do good for others, right? And this is the same type of thing. Faith always requires some form of action from us. We have to be willing to be humble and submit and do that. Um, to show that we're following God. So, in verse 16, Jesus plainly states that the one who believes and is, and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned, because, of course, they won't be baptized either. But belief is that first step. Now, notice how he says the second part. Jesus didn't say who do, he who does not believe and does not get baptized will be condemned. He simply says that those who do not believe, why? Because it is assumed, it is a common logical assumption that if one does not believe, of course, they will not be baptized. If you do not believe in Jesus, why would you be baptized? Without belief, there's just no reason. So here, Jesus has shown us through his own example. He has told us through the teaching with Nicodemus. Finally, he tells us in a command that is a requirement for those who hear and believe. Um, notice we are commanded to preach the gospel. We offer baptism because it is the logical conclusion of hearing and believing. We are not commanded to forcefully baptize people because that would not help. Um, just as Jesus came, submitting to God, and trusting and believing God, that's how we have to come and do that. We must choose to follow the Lord. 
And that should be sufficient, right? Jesus set the example. He got baptized. He taught baptism to people who did not know it. And then he said baptism is required. So is that not enough? If we are truly Christians following Jesus the Christ, is that not enough? Does anything else from anyone else really matter? Anything that anyone else says, does it, does it really matter? Now, as a Christian, with my intent on following the Lord, I say no. I don't need anything else. That's plenty. I don't need anything else. But, to be thorough, what did the apostles do? We see in Acts that the apostles followed this teaching from the Lord. See what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 when the Jews asked, what could they do to be saved? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I also want you to note that Paul was baptized in Acts chapter 9. Remember that he had encountered the Lord on the road, and Paul was temporarily blind. If we look at Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18, and Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, now remember, Paul was Saul before the Lord changed his name. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Every conversion that I'm aware of in Acts is accompanied by immersion in water. Baptism. So is this not enough? And I say yes, yes it is. This is proof positive that if you believe in Jesus and the Bible, that is, that is proof. That is what we need, right? We have the Lord doing it, setting the example. We have him teaching that baptism, that uh, being born again by water and spirit is necessary. We have him commanding it. And then we have the apostles following through and baptizing. So these are, you know, these are the examples and proofs that we need. Now, there are probably two other things that may still need to be addressed for some people. Okay. Why do some verses say belief or faith only, and they don't mention baptism? Some verses don't mention baptism. They don't. And the other thing is, and why does God want us to perform this physical act? So first, what about the faith only statements, or confession only, or sinner's prayer? All of these fall into the same basic category, the we don't need baptism category. So let's look at some very famous verses in Romans 10. Now here, Paul is talking about how the Jews need Christ, how they have zeal but lack knowledge. So he's talking about what does the law say, then what does faith say? So Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 13. 
But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Paul speaks of their belief in their heart and their confession. He says whoever calls on the Lord will be saved, right? So why does he not mention baptism? Well, there's a simple explanation, and I can give you an example in our everyday lives. Let's suppose I told you I went to the movies to see the Ten Commandments, say. What does that tell you specifically, and what does your mind automatically assume? Well, I only specifically told you what movie I went to see. I left out a lot of steps. I didn't say I had to find my car keys, that I had to drive to the theater. I didn't say which theater. I didn't say that I bought a ticket or acquired it in some way. I didn't say anything about refreshments, if I had a Coke or popcorn, which I normally would have. And I didn't say that I sat down in any particular seat. But because of our shared knowledge and customs, you rightly assumed most of those things based on my one sentence where I said, I went to see the Ten Commandments. So based on that, and do again, to our shared knowledge and customs, the things we know that people generally just do, you assume a lot of things. And that is exactly the same as it is for Paul and the apostles when they mention being saved by faith, prayer, or confession. We have to realize that what some people call the sinner's prayer is really just a prayer of uh, repentance and confession. And there's nothing wrong with that even though the sinner's prayer isn't necessarily mentioned in the Bible per se, uh, the idea that you come to the Lord and repent, that's, that's correct. That is something that we do. We hear, we believe, we repent, and we come to the Lord and we repent, right? So that is okay. Um, you may not like that phrase or that terminology, but basically the idea behind it is sound is okay. It's the fact that we need another step there, that's the thing. So anyway, anything in the Bible like this, where baptism is not specifically cited, baptism is assumed because it is the normal shared knowledge and custom. It is the practice that they all did. And if you read in Acts, you'll see that they all did that. That was a normal practice. So it's very common in the way we speak. It's not anything unusual. If I told you uh, to come over and I'll make you a burger, your mind, again, automatically assumes a lot of processes were followed and things were done. And you have a certain expectation of the result without any knowledge of those details. Just based on my one sentence, 
you would still, again, make a lot of assumptions. There's nothing secretive or mysterious about that. There's nothing unusual about it. It's the way people communicate and the way we've communicated for thousands and thousands of years. It's not anything unusual. Now, here, we are expected to follow the example of Jesus, who was himself baptized. So, again, him being our example should be enough, but if we need to reason and talk through these other things, that's fine. Let's not get upset or or hold that against someone. Let's rather, let's go through and just explain it, you know. It's easily enough explained and understood. It's not really a complicated matter. So, why does God want us to perform this physical act? So, let's go back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 15 again. Why did Jesus do this? Now, he was sinless. Okay, he was sinless, all right? Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. But Jesus answered John. Okay, he was talking to John. He said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And my main focus really is that Jesus said it is proper and to fulfill all righteousness to put ourselves in right standing with God. Why? You say, well, why? That still doesn't explain why. Well, to be in right standing with God should be explanation enough, but if you need to look at it deeper, it's because it is us humbling ourselves, coming to God and submitting to God and obeying what He has said we must do. It shows to Him and everyone that we are willing to obey him and that we are following him, whether we understand how it works or not. We're doing this as an act of faith. Now, it's not a work. It is an act of faith. We are showing our faith, and faith does always require action. Because in our human mind, it may not make any sense, but this act of faith shows our belief and trust in God. We are believing and trusting that this washes away our sins, that our old life is forgiven, and we are raised as a new creature. Just as Jesus showed his belief through actions, so do we. Our faith in God cannot be without action. And you will see this throughout. Uh, if you look at James, you know, um, we, we have to have action that goes with our faith. We must act on our faith even when we first come to the Lord. And this practice continues. This is just a first time, but it continues for as long as we are faithful and following the Lord. When we stop acting on our faith, we have become unfaithful. So right at the outset, God's plan is for us to begin acting on our faith. It is our first baby step in his plan. If you never take the first step, then how can you learn to walk? We must humble ourselves and be baptized like our Savior. So, that is the case for baptism. Without baptism, we do not have salvation. We are not on the proper walk or on the proper path. And I want you to think about this. 
God wants us all saved. Everyone here on this planet, he does. He wants everyone saved. He wants that so much, he came down in the form of Jesus, one of us, and showed us how to do it. Then he taught us and told us to do the same. We say that we have to practice what we preach, but Jesus did it perfectly. He preached what he practiced. So have you fulfilled all righteousness? Do you have that relationship with God our Father? Are you in right standing with him? Have you been baptized? If not, I would encourage you to do so. Even if you don't understand it, even if you're, I don't know, even if you still have doubts, sometimes we still have doubts and we still do things. Remember the man who, who told the Lord, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, I have faith, but help me to have better faith. And that's, that's a part of coming to God, too, saying, I believe, even though maybe I'm not perfect and my faith isn't perfect and I have doubts, but I believe and I want to believe and I want to have stronger faith. And sometimes we have to humbly come forward in that condition to improve and move forward. So, if you've not been baptized, I would encourage you to do so. I'm sure that there is a local church anywhere where you may be that would be happy to have you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.